Thank you, Brother Terry, for my favorite songs. Thank you for taking part in worship this morning. Thanks to our choir and our praise team and all of you uh, who's worshiped, those who are viewing by other means worshiping, thank you for being a part of our service. This morning I want to share a familiar passage, only one verse, John 1, verse 14. And the title of my message is, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And so we're going to look at several passages, but this will be our text, John 14, verse 1. Familiar text, you probably hear this from time to time at funerals. And But you, today, I hope God speaks to you, pray that he speaks to you as we look at John 14, verse 1, and some other selected passages. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to come into your presence this morning to worship you. Lord, we had opportunity to worship through hymns and praise songs and prayer. Our choir sung. And so, Father, now it's time for you to speak to our hearts through your word. Help us to remember, Lord, your word is true, it's powerful, and Lord, it will speak to our hearts. Help us to be attentive. Lord, I pray that um, we can just put the world uh, on hold for a moment and think about our relationship between our Lord and, and our Savior, our God. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say the men that we know and claim the promise as your word goes forth. It will never return void, but it will seek to do what you would have it to do. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know that sometimes the events of this life can hit us pretty hard. I shared a few minutes ago several names on prayer lists. That people were really going through some major crises in their lives. They're there now. We've been there before. Perhaps we'll be there again soon. And there are times that our hearts get troubled. It's hard to keep standing, let alone to keep going when life kind of throws the hard stuff at us. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. You may want to give up. You may be here this morning or you may be viewing by another means and you may say, well, I just want to throw in the towel. You may be wanting to say, well, what's the use? Or you may want to say, well, I just can't take this anymore. Listen, I have some good news for you. You don't have to face your crisis alone. You don't have to face whatever you're going through alone. I know sometimes you feel like there's no one else that you can talk to or go to, but God's promised us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And as a, as a believer, because of that promise, I can really be content in every situation knowing that whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going to face, knowing that God's never going to leave me, He's always going to be with me, I can be content in every situation. 
So Christ is saying there's absolutely no way whatsoever that I will ever, 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 ever leave you. So therefore, when those difficult times come and you don't know what to do, just turn to that person who's promised not to leave you. Psalm 14.1, Let not your heart be troubled. The word troubled comes from a Greek word which literally means to be agitated. Agitated. I remember my mom had an old ringer-type washing machine in our basement years ago, and, and it had an agitator in it. And that agitator would just, would just jump up and down, jump up and down, jump up and down. And God says, don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let it be troubled. Their worst fears, the disciples were feeling at this time, were their worst fears, and Jesus was about to leave them. Their worst fears really was becoming a reality. So Jesus told them that he would uh, be betrayed, he would be handed over to evil men, he'd be denied, he'd be crucified. And so the point is, none, no one, is ever immune from trouble in their life, even Jesus in his humanity. He went through a terrible time. So crises and difficulties come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, unexpected illnesses, maybe COVID, uh, Thai dollars going through an unexpected illness, pneumococcal pneumonia and the flu, um, loss of a job, the death of a child, the death of a parent, the death of a friend. Maybe an economic collapse some way. Uh, maybe the stock market drops and affects you. Maybe a job loss. Right now you're, you're troubled about your, your job. Maybe inflation. You've been to the grocery store, the gas station. We can see at times, you know, it troubles our heart to see the prices climb like they do. Maybe a terrorist attack that troubles our heart. Maybe drugs alcohol, some other addiction. So the list is endless. It just goes on and on and on, those things that can trouble us. But we all can say like Job said in Job 3, verse um, 25 and 26. Listen to what God's Word says. Job 3, verse 25. For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest or trouble comes. You ever felt like Job? In the midst of what we would, would be our darkest hours for the disciples, Jesus said to them, don't let your heart be troubled. And he likewise says that, to us, whenever we face this un impossible circumstance uh, that appears to have the possibility of just crushing our hopes and our dreams and destroying our lives, 
Jesus says to us, let not your heart be troubled. But here's the big question. How is it possible to keep from being overwhelmed and troubled when we face life's difficulties? Jesus tells us in the B part of that verse, let not your heart be troubled. Then the B part says, trust God, trust me. Jesus said, trust God, trust me, believe in God, believe in me. And then suddenly he speaks of peace to us. You see, trust goes deeper than belief. Belief comes kind of cold and it comes um, perhaps intellectual, but trust is warm and trust is personal. And Jesus says, trust God and trust me, and trust goes deeper than belief. And we're to respond to Jesus as we would respond to God. Trust God. Trust me. There's not a bit of difference between Jesus and God. So if we trust God, we need to be willing to trust Jesus. Jesus is God as God is God. And both can be equally trusted. And so other religions put their trust in fear. Other religions put their trust in good works. Other religions put their trust in ordinances and creeds, and they find, try to find comfort and trust in those things. But Christianity alone puts its trust in God. Oftentimes, we try to console friends by saying these words, everything's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. My mother would do that. If we were facing a difficult time, she would say, well, everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. You see, that's optimism. And optimism is based on wishful thinking. We're wishing everything's going to be okay. We're hoping everything's going to be okay. It's, it's no use saying to someone, let not your heart be troubled unless we finish the statement, trust God, trust me. That's how it's going to be okay. That's how our heart's going to be comforted. And so the question is, how can we learn to trust God with our lives? I'm going to list about five things. You might want to jot these down. How can we learn to trust God with our lives? You say, well, Brother Sammy, I don't believe my faith is what it should be. Well, how can my faith be better? Number one, build your relationship with Christ. You know, one seldom trusts a stranger. You'll trust a friend, but very seldom will we trust a stranger. Do you know Christ? Do you know him as your personal Savior? Is Christ a friend to you? Have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Have you received his forgiveness in your life? Have you received his eternal salvation as a gift simply by believing the gospel of Jesus that he came, he died on the cross, he was buried, he arose again, he came, he died for our sins, and we put our faith, our trust in him. Our sins are forgiven, and we'll have a home in heaven. Do you know Christ is your personal Savior? You say, well, yes, I do, Brother Sammy. I do. But see, you can't stop at that. You can't just think, well, I've got a free pass to heaven, and everything's going to be all right. You have to build that relationship if your trust is going to grow in Christ. So build your relationship. You have to grow in your knowledge of him so that you can trust him. 
That's why 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how can I build my faith? I can build a relationship with Him. How can my faith be made stronger? I can build my relationship with Him. And so, just not coming to church on Sunday, that doesn't build the relationship. That's part of it. But build that relationship. A Sunday-only Christian, someone has said this, it's really neat. A Sunday morning Christian will have a hard time trusting the Lord with the stuff of life the rest of the week. So you need to build that relationship with him. And we do that in different ways. Make sure you develop that relationship with Jesus. Be enrolled in a small group. Be enrolled in Bible in a Sunday school class, Bible fellowship class. Be enrolled in discipleship training. Be enrolled in Wednesday night as we come together for prayer meeting and Bible study. We talked about prayer and how to have a good prayer life last Wednesday night. So how do you learn to trust God with your lives? First of all, build your relationship with Him. Your faith will not be what it should be if you don't have an adequate relationship with Jesus Christ. Your heart will be troubled. Secondly, trust Jesus with little things. Little things. If you think that you can handle the little things, you won't develop the habit of trusting Him for the big things. You have to trust Him with the little things first. When you learn to trust God with the little things, then it comes real easy to trust Him with the hard things. But you have to begin that relationship. Build that relationship. Be willing to trust Him with little things. Listen to God's Word. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 8. Listen to this, you feel. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 8. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And so how do I build my faith? I build it through a relationship with him, and then I trust Jesus with the little things. And then number three, examine your thinking. How are you thinking in whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're going through? How are you thinking? How do you think when you face trouble? Do you worry when you face trouble? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you're not, uh, jot these verses down if you're not taking notes, but jot these verses. Matthew 6, and we want to look at verse 25 and following. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They never toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow strung in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day of its own trouble. So examine your thinking. Do, do I worry? Now listen, when we worry, when we try to figure things out, our problems, they begin to grow. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. But you get frustrated, and one problem begins to grow into another problem. And you're trying to figure it out. And you get discouraged. Then you have these pity parties. And after that, then you'll say, well, why me? And it just leads from one thing to another thing. Examine your thinking. Worry. Someone has said, worry is the poison that will destroy faith, destroy any faith or trust that you do have. So be careful. Don't worry. Philippians 4, verse 8. Listen to what God's Word says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, any good, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And so check your thinking. Examine your thinking. You build your faith, your trust in God by, by the right type of thinking. Examine your thinking. Someone said years ago, and I've mentioned it before, most of our problems come from stinking thinking. Get your thinking right. So how do you learn to trust God? Build a relationship. Trust Jesus for little things. Examine your thinking. And then understand that you're involved in a spiritual struggle. We're in a spiritual war. Satan, uh, you know, he was present before you got saved. And when you got saved, he just drew a big target on our backs and on your back. And so, remember, you're in a, you're in a spiritual war. Listen, if you will, at 1 Peter 5, or 7 and 8. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. So understand, my faith's going to grow, but I have to understand that I'm involved in this spiritual struggle. Satan's after me. And then number five, remember how God's been faithful in the past. See, God's character doesn't change. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Brother Sammy? Well, um, God has been faithful in the past. God is faithful in the present. And God's faithful in the future. His character doesn't change. And so I'm to look back and I'm to go back for the time that God has been there for me and my other troubles. Psalm 77. Look at that just for a moment. Verse 11 and 13. Simon said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely will I remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is, the, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? One of my favorite songs is that we will remember. You know, our church as a whole, as a congregation, has gone through a lot of things with the tornado. And, but, but I look back and I see how God's worked and God, how God put everything back together. And there's things that God did. If he, if he didn't do those, we wouldn't be where we are today. 
And so go back, understand that you're involved in a spiritual struggle, but then remember how God has been faithful in the past. And then number six, and I'll close with this one, trust God. Trust God, turn loose of the rope, and let God catch you. Years ago, and I've shared this illustration I know before, I read of a person by the name of Blundin. Blundy was a famous tightrope walker in 18... He was born in 1824, died in 1897. But his greatest fame came in 1859. In 1859, he walked 1,100-foot tightrope, suspended 160 feet in the air over Niagara Falls. And uh, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls... Niagara Falls is a beautiful place. We went there several years ago coming back from a mission trip and took a boat ride down under the falls and around the falls. And I can't imagine this guy doing this, but he, he walked a tightrope 1,100 feet across those falls, 160 feet in the air. And he went back several times, back and forth, and people cheered and they were excited of what he accomplished. And then he came back across where he began, and then he took a wheelbar, and he pushed this wheelbar on this tightrope, 1,100 feet over the Niagara Falls, suspended 160 feet in air, and he came back, and he went back second time, and he came back, and everybody clapped, and everybody cheered, and they were really happy in what he had accomplished. And then he asked the crowd, he said, do you believe that I can walk across the falls with someone in the wheelbar? And, oh, yes, we believe that, you know, we do. And they clapped and clapped. And then he said, who will get in the wheelbarrow? Well, nobody wanted to get, <laughs> nobody wanted to get in the wheelbarrow. And so you say, Brother Samuel, what's the moral of that story? Well, it's one thing to believe Blundy could do what they had seen him do, but it was another thing to put their life in his hand. James chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this and, and we'll close. James 2, verse 14. He said this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Better translation is, can that type of faith save him? To be saved, you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, see, that's uh, more than just, you know, we believe Jesus, we really trust him, but evidence that we've truly trusted him is that we're willing to work for him, to serve him. We don't serve to be saved, but we serve because we are saved. It's evidence of our faith in Jesus. If you trust God, sit in the wheelbarrow. Don't just stand there believing that God can do it. Set in the wheelbarrow. Put your life in his hands, knowing that he'll keep, your, keep you safe. You have to get in his wheelbarrow, so to speak. Put your hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Trust him. You say, well, I've trusted him. Have you trusted him? Is, have you put your life completely into his hand? Let not your heart be troubled. How can we learn to trust God? Build your relationship. Trust Jesus with the little things. Examine your thinking. Understand that you're involved in a spiritual battle. 
and remember how God's been faithful in the past and then be willing to trust him completely with your life. Let me mention this about faith. Faith is not about how much you believe. Faith is believing that the one you believe in is believable. Faith is not how much you believe, but faith is believing that the one you believe in is believable. Jesus said, all who call on my name shall be saved. You believe that? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You believe that? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? Jesus said that. The way you find out if, if the one you believe is believable is by knowing him and experiencing him. In other words, he's shown himself in the past. You've trusted him in the past and he's come through in the past. I remember years ago, a long time ago, Corey was just a little girl. She'd not learned how to walk, uh, but she could walk a little. Um, she taught before she learned to walk. But uh, I remember being at a friend's house up in Tennessee, and uh, they had a long porch. And I would stand at the end of that porch, and she would stand there, and I said, jump off. And she'd look at me, and I'd say, come on, jump. And I was down below her about three foot, four foot. And I said, well, jump. And she, she'd almost, and she'd stop. Then she just jumped. And I called her. And then you know what? She said, again, again. So she'd jump again. And I'd catch her, and I'd stand back a little further, and she'd jump again. You see, faith is not how much you believe, but faith is about how much you trust that person that your faith is in. And in our case, as Christians, it's Jesus Christ. Faith experienced is faith that is real. And I like what Tony Evans said. He says, faith can't be experienced without feet doing what we say we believe. It's easy. It's an easy thing to say, he said, I believe. It's an easy thing to say, you feel like you believe. But faith is not situated in feelings. Faith is situated in our feet. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says we walk by faith rather than we feel by faith. Sometimes it takes us being caught between a rock and a hard place to give us an opportunity to put our faith to the test. You know, God has put me between a rock and a hard place at times. And I do not know, God, if you don't work this out, there's no way I can get out of this situation. And you know what? He always works it out. God puts those things in our lives really to grow our faith. Remember that. You know, we have some bad weather predicted for coming in tonight and tomorrow, Tuesday perhaps, and, and everybody's preparing for that. And I was thinking about, you know, everybody's busy running around making sure they have this, making sure they have that, and they don't really know what to expect, but they want to be ready for that bad weather. 
You know, one day Jesus is coming back for his church. Are you prepared as much for that as you are this winter storm that's coming through tonight or tomorrow? Have you made preparations for that? You say, Brother Sammy, how do I make preparations for that? Well, it's by faith. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You accept him. You receive him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. He forgives you your sin. And he become, you become a child of his. And the more you trust him, the more your faith will grow. And then one day, after this life is over with, you'll be with him forever in heaven. I hope you've prepared for the time that he comes back to receive his church. You don't want to miss that trip. You really don't. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person here today. And I thank you, Lord, for just this little verse, John 1, 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe God. Believe me. And so, Father, I don't know what people are going through today, but I pray today, Lord, that you've spoken to their hearts. Their faith may be weak, but they've realized today and they've learned today how to increase that faith. We know the Bible teaches that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And they've heard the word of God today. And I pray, dear Lord, that they'll be willing, Father, to, to trust you, to work on that relationship. The more they, they know you, the, the, the better relationship they have with you, the more faith they'll have to go through what they're going through in their life. We thank you for the relationship that we have with you. So help us to build that relationship. Help us, we pray, Father, that our faith will grow strong where we can deal with these unforeseen things that happen to us in our life and knowing that one day you're going to work all that out for us. Help us to claim Romans 8, 28, that all things, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So whatever issue people are experiencing today, they may be between a rock and a hard place, but being a child of yours, you're going to work out the best for them. They may be looking for a job. They may be going through some other crisis. But Father, let their faith be strong in you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us, giving us a home in heaven. For we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here, Wilburn's going to lead us in. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.